I'm Heather Parry and this is Kirsty Logan. Hello, it is April. It is April. Hope you didn't get fooled yesterday. Oh God, I hate April Fools. I hate pranks. Yep. I hate jokes. I am a humorless feminist <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Actual feminazi. Yeah. Uh, That's me. Oh, it's just not funny, is it? Like, it's never funny. The ones that I like are like the newspaper ones that everyone knows aren't real, but they're funny. Yeah. Like, because they're like something from the day to day. But yeah, when people actually like, like I don't know, do something to you and they're like, April Fool's, fuck off, I'm too busy. Exactly. I'm just too busy. Don't have time for this. No. If I want a joke, I will listen to a podcast. Uh, yes. I'll go and watch a comedy special on Netflix. If I want a joke, I'll make one. Right? <laughs> and you will laugh. <laughs> also, everyone's expecting it. Like, I'm a big jumper outer at people. Especially when they, or the, my favourite thing. <laughs> Is to wait outside You're the bathroom. You're a prankster. I'm a dick. Ugh, yuck. I love waiting until, like, uh, David's in the bathroom and just stand outside the door really quietly because you don't even have to move or jump or make a sound. Everyone comes out of a bathroom looking behind them for some reason. So they just sort of come out of the you, thing. Because you need to check you flush the toilet. That's, That's why. Maybe, yeah. So they sort of come out, like, with, like, their faces turned away and then you can just go, ha! Ah, and they sort of scream. I love it. You are horrible. But they've got to not expect that. For it to the work. other day it was dark and I was coming back to our building and it's got a glass, like glass in the door. Mm-hmm. And I could see that my downstairs neighbour was just walking down the corridor about to come out. So I was like, oh, I won't bother getting my keys out. I'll just wait until she comes and then I'll go in. But I sort of didn't think to like announce myself in any way. And because it was light inside and dark outside, she just opened the door. And then I was basically just standing motionless <laughs> in the dark and she just went. <laughs> 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 so I'm sorry. And I suddenly was like, oh yeah, I just look like a serial killer right now. I'm just standing motionless outside the front door in the dark. <laughs> is that your neighbour? Yeah, it is, but I don't think she's all right. Yeah, I, I think we should move. <laughs> you can't no, move. don't move. I like you. I'm moving don't in move. across the road in three days. You stalker. <laughs> Actual stalker. If we don't do series three, everyone's just going to think I killed you. Series four, sorry. Yeah. Are we on series three? This yeah. is three. We're nearly, nearly at the end of three. Oh, my word. No. Yeah, if I die, can we <laughs> investigate Heather first, please? Thank you. Do you know who does like an April Fool's joke? Oh, nice segue. Thanks. Richie Tankersley Cusick. I don't know if she does. <clears throat> I have to say the April Fool's element is really tacked on here. Yeah. Do you know why it is? Why what is? Because April Fool's is her birthday. Really? It says in the bio at the end. <gasps> I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a terrible birthday. Yeah, right. <laughs> My cousin's birthday is Christmas Eve, which is also a terrible birthday. Wait, is it? Check at the back. I don't know if I've <clears> made that <throat> up. I feel like it, I, it could be anything I've dreamed. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Ms. Cusick was born on April Fool's Day. No joke. Wow. Their dog's called Hannah. Yeah. That's a human name. It's very much like the cat I know called Gavin. I love that. <laughs> That's a great name. I mean, I suppose our dog's got a human name, Rosie. Yeah, Rosemary. Also. Oh wait, hasn't one of our uh, Twitter pals, friend of the podcast, got a cat called Kirsty? Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I like 
the thought that there's someone out there is shouting, Kirsty, don't shit on the carpet. <laughs> at the podcast, yeah. yeah Nothing at, to do with at, the cat. No, it's me. <laughs> it's Annie who's shouting. I just feel like it. So let me tell you about April Fools. Oh, we haven't done the cover. Oh, fuck, you're right. Oh, look at me remembering I a know, bit. Oh, nice don't remember one. So, I just didn't want to discuss the cover. Will you do horrible. this? Oh, will I? Oh, you do it. So, uh, we've got a mailbox, but like an American style mailbox where they put the little flag up on the side. Does that mean posters to be taken away? I don't know. Or posters in it? Or does it mean. Can oh, so you they take your post from it? You don't have to put it in a post box. Well, this is what I was about to ask. Have you ever seen an American post box? Uh, no, but I was in America when I was six, so I don't remember looking for post boxes. But like on a show or anything? No. Yeah. Yeah, they're blue. They're like blue and they look like a bin, which oh, yeah, is you're worrying. Right. <laughs> yeah, bad design. <laughs> don't do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe they don't take it away because then that'd be a lot for the postman to carry back as yeah, well. Yeah, right. I don't know. So anyway, the little thing is up saying that something's like been delivered then. The flag is erect. The f- wow. Yep. Wow. That's what I'm saying. A shaft of uh, light <laughs> shaft of flag. illuminating the ere- ele- erect erect flag, mm-hmm. um, and a hand, quite a feminine hand with a nice little uh, uh, French manicure, is opening. Except not really, because she's not grabbing it. She's just reaching, just reaching oh. feebly towards uh, the <laughs> open thing. She's going to slide off the couch and whisper, "Help! Help! <laughs> My hand is <laughs> so flat." Um, flaccid. Yep, I'm sticking with it. If you can have a wreck. That's what we're doing today. I can have flaccid. Yep. Um, and there's a really terrifying doll peering out from the We all know box. that dolls are a traditional April Fool's Day thing. Yeah, what the fuck? Also, just look at that out with the confines of the picture. Just look at the face. That's really quite horrible, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't like it. I mean, I don't really like dolls anyway. Yeah, me neither. Um, it's got grey eyes and it's got like a, there's like a red handkerchief with um, green lace on the edge. Where's the handkerchief? There. Oh, I didn't even... Under that sticker oh. bit where... <laughs> Someone's put a sticker on my book and then ripped it off. I didn't realise there was anything under it. And it says, April Fools! And then it says, it's no joke, it's murder. That's not clever. It's not good. I think a lot of these, they just try and put murder, death, or kill in any phrase. Surf's up. You're dead. <laughs> Terrible. It's your birthday. Don't die. <laughs> you're dead now. Be dead. Mm, prom night is murder. Like, just anything to do with murder or anything. I feel like there are so many books that we come to, we'll come to the last one ever, and it'll be called Dead Day. <laughs> it's day to be dead. <laughs> Don't die today on dead day. On dead day. It's your death day. Don't be dead. Robot Stein. (laughs) So let me tell you. In April Fool's Day, we've got a prologue. In the prologue, the fabulously named Belinda, Hildy and Frank are driving home from a party in a storm. So they're like 50s, 60s. I'm thinking they've been to some kind of bridge party. (laughs) Not on a bridge. I mean, they play bridge or like checkers and have a a sherry. Yeah. But that's what they're doing. Because they're driving. Let's not be crazy. It's a milky coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Frank is drunk and also a dickhead. He says, quote, it's April Fool's Day and I can do what I want, which is not how April Fool's Day works. Also, it's supposed to be before 12, noon. I've said that. It is past midday. Yeah. Unless, you're, you're the fool now, Frank. Unless now it's just past midnight and the party was on the last day of March. 
Mm, you didn't know how many days were in March then, did you? No. <laughs> That's why I was <laughs> um, I didn't. I couldn't think fast enough. <laughs> Almost got away with that. the tune in my head. 30 days, half after. <laughs> That's a terrible rhyme. 30 days. No, it works. I can't even remember what they are. 30 days, half, some months. <laughs> All the rest. That's how we learned it. We learned it like 30 well, days in September. Well, I went to school in Cheshire. <laughs> <laughs> we did half. April baguette, uh, May. <laughs> Thine May. <laughs> anyway, so Frank is driving and accidentally runs a car off the road and it crashes. It's a very terrible accident. Someone is trapped inside the car. It's burning, they're screaming. Um, Hildy sort of half-heartedly goes to help them, but then Hildy and... Did I say Hildy? I meant Belinda. And then Hildy and Frank <clears throat> pull her away, like, no, 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 we can't, <clears throat> we can't do that. However, they realise that someone is standing up on the hill, watching. <gasps> oh my god. Chapter one. Belinda. <laughs> She's such a lame-o. <laughs> she is just... She just needs to get over it. She's still upset about committing manslaughter. And Hildy says, snap out of it, will you? It's been two weeks. Wait, wait, wait. Shall I look up the dictionary definition of manslaughter <laughs> to give her that? It is manslaughter. They ran the car off the road. Yeah. And they were drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hildy cannot believe that Belinda is still upset about this. It's just been get two over weeks. It. You just kill someone. Just get over it. I mean, we only killed one person, possibly two. <laughs> What's the big deal? Possibly four. So anyway, Hildy, I'm sorry, is a sociopath. I imagined her as Aunt Hilda from Sabrina the whole way through this. I agree with you. However, this is the description of her in the book. Okay. She sounds like a babe. She actually, I think, sounds like um, Dion from Clueless. Okay. Because she's got long silver braids, green eyes, and a miniskirt. Yeah, you know. So she sounds like a sociopath babe. <laughs> But also Aunt Hilda, which is sexually confusing. I'll have Hilda. You have Dion. Really? Yeah. You like Aunt Hilda? I think I did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, not that she's unattractive, but... Just fun as well, you know. I remember really fancying um, Sabrina's friend. The cat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Salem. Not the cat. Uh, Valerie. I could have made a really good pussy joke there, but I didn't, did I? You're really showing a lot of restraint. <laughs> I'm impressed. Wait till we get later on. Oh, will that be no restraint? No. So Hildy says, look, I don't know why you're so upset about this. Quote, we stopped at that gas station. It wasn't our fault it was closed and the stupid payphone was broken. Because she's right, because that is literally the only phone that exists in the world. How could they have called for help? How could they have? How could they have? Impossible. Nope. Belinda is still troubled, but she's also very busy. She's been tutoring. Um, she's left cards with her contact information all over town. Plot point. So 90s. You know, right? Now, Belinda is called into a meeting with Mr. Grooms. <laughs> Does he? Teacher. Mm. And she's there to meet Mrs. Thorne, who is wearing a black suit, a hat, and a veil. Doesn't she sound like from Teacher's Pet? Mm. What's her chops that had the veil on? Oh, um, Rowena. Rowena. Yes. Rowena Thorne. Um, she also has bruised cheeks, which are covered with makeup, which I'm like, that's so weird. 
you don't normally get if you're in an accident you don't bruise your cheeks you have mm. like your eyes or your nose or your mouth would they've, be damaged they've said that because it's the only bit of skin that's not like a facial appendage <laughs> do you know what i mean like they don't want to give her element they could have given her a broken nose i suppose or like a black eye or yeah it's just bruised weird to have cheeks. bruised cheeks i don't think i've ever seen a bruised cheek no it's really weird anyway um <laughs> so she wants a tutor for her stepson who's called adam <laughs> and really before belinda has says anything mr grooms says of course she'll do it won't you belinda Mind your business, Grooms. Yeah, wind your neck in. Wind, you don't know. Wind your fucking neck in. Won't you go with this monstrous beam woman? <laughs> Beekeeper woman? <laughs> Look at this bruised, veiled woman. Go with her immediately to I her see, mansion. I see no safeguarding issue here. <laughs> Continue. There's no problem with me putting my name to this. <laughs> Mrs. Thorne is really angry because she's stuck with her stepson, Adam, since the car accident two weeks ago. <gasps> OMG. I've just realised there's a lot of nominative, nominative determinism here, right? She's thorny. Yeah. Let's see what you've done. Yeah. And he grooms her? Mm-hmm. Lady Reverend Rosemary Bennett Logan, go in your bed immediately. You are a pest. <laughs> she just can't stay away from this podcast episode. Anyway, Belinda tells Frank and Hildy about this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Rosie, you asshole! You fuzzy asshole! <laughs> it's because the radiators come on, so she needs to go and lie in front of it. I see. Mm-hmm. Like a fucking princess. I think she fucking rules the shop. <laughs> she does. She does, to be fair. Okay. Um, so Belinda tells Frank and Hildy about this because obviously she's like, "Oh no, this is what happened. We caused this car crash." Um, Hildy, in particular, gives zero fucks and just pops her gum as oh, wow. Belinda's talking. That's how much she cares. She's a fucking sociopath, I'm telling you. Get over it, they just killed someone two weeks ago. Get I over mean, it. they're only a bit dead. Two weeks is your definite grieving period. I mean, I think so. Um, actually, Hildy only gives a fuck about Belinda at all if she helps with her maths test. And Frank says that if Hildy fails, then it's Belinda's fault. So I don't even know who's worse out of Frank and Hildy. I honestly, at this point, because of the name Hildy, I'm actually picturing them as Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Oh, wow. Myra Hildy. Hildy Hindley. Hildy Hindley. Oh, my word. And Frank Brady. Um, I know someone who is a um, female impersonator, female character actor as a man. Mm-hmm. Not drag queen. I see. Uh, and... She is uh, has a name taken from Myra Hindley. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else knows that. It's a bold choice. Yeah. <laughs> what would your drag queen name be? Oh, is there or a way not to, drag queen. Is there a way to do it? Or do you just come up with it? No, one? I just... Well, I don't Connie think. Lingus. <gasps> That's so good. Mine's Tawdry Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> Coming next season. <laughs> this is Teenage Scream with Tawdry Hepburn. <laughs> and Connie Linger. Susie's is glitterous. Oh, nice. Good. I like that. So anyway, Belinda goes back home. The police are there. Um, they got a call that Belinda had been in an accident. <gasps> yeah, no, it's not very interesting, is it? Mrs. Thorne then drives Belinda to her house. She says, Adam's a bit hostile. And Belinda says, you mean... This, is, this whole thing's a quote. So Belinda says, you mean... 
dangerous? Mrs. Thorne shrug was non-committal. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, probably Maybe, he is dangerous, yeah, but be. I mean, it's only you, so who cares? <laughs> he probably is dangerous, but what can we do? I mean, yeah. Dangerous to you, a <laughs> random girl. <laughs> um, also, Mrs. Thorne says, it's Adam that should be dying, not my husband. Oof. Which I was like, mate, you just met this girl. Keep this kind of breezy, oh, how I wish my stepson was dead. Like, keep that for when you've, like, had a couple of gins together or something. Keep that for writing in your diary, apparently. Yeah. Don't Jesus. tell, like, random girl. Yeah, that's a bit rough. It's bad. It's quite bad. Don't, even just if, don't say it. Even if you don't like your stepson, I don't think you should be telling strangers. Do you know, I really wish he was dead. That's the thing, that <laughs> thing you normally say, is it? I really wish he was dead. Yeah, that's harsh. Mm-hmm. I, there's not a lot of people that I wish were dead, and it's only, like, really bad people. Also, not... It doesn't work that one person has to die all of the time. You could... Or your husband could not be dying, and also Adam not be dead Nobody as well. Nobody could be dying. Yeah, yeah. That's, you should wish that. So the thorn house... It's the bees making her... <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine her having, like, a beekeeper's hat on now. <laughs> like, she's constantly got bees all around yeah. her, so she's got to keep her veil down. Is it, um... What's his name? Eddie Azard does a really funny bit about beekeepers. He's like, I'm a beekeeper. I keep bees. And he says, I like my woman, like I like my coffee. Covered, Covered in bees! In bees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, do. I thought you were going to do the Nicolas Cage. Not the bees! Oh, God. Not the bees! The bees! <laughs> no, the worst <laughs> remake of the best movie. <laughs> well, because you wouldn't want to shout, you the doing... bees would go in your mouth. I thought you were doing Rosie. <laughs> dreaming about being Nicolas Cage in the Wicker Man remake. That is my new film, uh, which I'm going to pitch to. Who is the Bing John Markovich guy? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Spike Jones? No, I thought that, but it's not him, is it? Mm, I don't know. Him. <laughs> okay. I'm going to pitch to him. You did Bing John Markovich, and that was great. Next, we've got my dog dreaming. <laughs> That she's Nicolas Cage in The Wicked Man. Being Nicolas Cage. I will accept $5 million for this. <laughs> this is one of those jokes that only we find funny. Yeah. Moving on. So at the Thorn house, it's kind of a mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all these boxes covered with cloths. And they are specifically said to be on all the tables and countertops. So every available flat surface, apart from the floor has got on it a box with a cloth on it. Huh. What could it be? You'll find out. Do we? I was just thinking, do we find out what yeah, that we, is? Yeah, there's quite a lot of plot. Is, did you read this book? I did. Did you read I a different was, book? I find it quite boring. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> uh, so then Belinda meets Adam in the shadows. He has a cane, and when he comes into the light, she sees that he's got, quote, black crooked lines crisscrossing his cheeks and forehead. What the fuck kind of injury is that? He's Chucky. <laughs> That's the only fucking possible way. He's been made, his face has been made from other people's faces. Why would you? Because if you've got cuts and they've been stitched, that's not going to be black lines. Richie Tankosley-Kusick has never seen an injury. No. She has never seen an injury <laughs> on a human being. Like, that's just weird. Because what he's injury Chucky. is that? It's, it's being a doll. If he's been burned, he would have, like, burn marks. He hasn't got that. It's not cuts. What is it? Just black, like someone's taken a felt pen. Forehead, like, jagged tracks. Yeah. Like a a car ran over his face like it is on a, 
like a Hanna Barbera cartoon and he's left <laughs> an actual track across. Like, what has happened I here? I don't know. Also, he's just got some scars on his fucking face. I mean, they're Why not even scars. So scary. Two weeks ago, he's just got cuts on his face. Why is that so scary? It's really horrible, isn't it? Like, as if people who have injuries are evil. Yeah, or people who've just been in a car crash. Are Which you monstrous. fucking caused, Belinda. Yeah. I, I feel like. Have you ever. I've never had like a major accident. I haven't had any scars on my face, but I've had like, oh, so I had back surgery and um, it was on my lower back, so I couldn't see the, like the staples that they'd put in because um, they do that instead of stitches. So I said to, to Annie, can you please take a picture? Because I really want to just see what it looks like. The problem is that she had taken a picture really close up. So it was like the whole picture was just like a, a big stapled gash from top to bottom and she showed me this picture and I was just like fuck because I thought it was my entire back like <laughs> from the nape of my neck to my bum was just like ripped and full of staples but she'd actually it was only about three inches high but she because she'd zoomed in I was just like oh my god and like honestly you can't even see the scar now that was quite a small three inches you just uh, put up in front of your face there I, I don't really know measurement I have to do it with two hands I reckon that's six. Oh, so I did about right then. Do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, okay. My fist uh, is smaller than I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, but it's good. It's The scar's completely gone now. But yeah, she obviously hasn't seen any injuries. When I was about 14, I had an operation on my lip and uh, it involved getting stitches on the inside of my lip. And Ooh. then the my lip was like... Like this proper swollen. This is working swollen. so well in audio. Sorry, like so swollen and like turned inside out and I imagine I looked more monstrous than this person did and I thought it was quite funny yeah also couldn't really eat or drink anything so I just survived on like milk for the whole week <laughs> that was when I had to have an injection in the roof of my mouth which let me tell you is the literal worst pain I've ever felt I've and I've broken times. a lot of bones in my body that's horrible. It like was like all those like eight inch out? fucking you have needles. to get that when you get teeth out in the roof of your mouth yeah. in the centre like I've had that a few times to have teeth out. God, you know how it's horrible because it's so like bone. Yeah, and then they hold it in, and there's like it's like fine for like a second, and then it's the worst pain you've ever felt, and then you're just like, oh, and just <laughs> fucking keep it in there. One of the most stupid injuries I will say that I ever had was a. Uh, I had just started a new job and it was like a company-wide meeting. So everyone was in this meeting room. It was like first thing in the morning and I had like been on a train. It was in winter. I'd been on a train that didn't have any heating. So I was really cold. And then I went into the office and it was really hot and I hadn't eat I had eaten breakfast, but not enough. And it, the meeting went on over an hour. And anyway, long story short, I fainted. And <laughs> as I fell, I landed on my boss's shoe and ripped the top of my ear down. <laughs> So like the kind of like where the your ear attaches to your head at the top, like ripped down. Um, and I, yeah, got blood on his shoe and I had to go and get stitches. But the really horrible part was that when I had to get the stitches taken out, I could hear because it's like right in your ear. So like they cut the stitches and then like pulled the thread out and I could hear it. And it was horrible. Oh God, I kind of love that idea. It's so horrible. I've still got, um, still got a scar actually. I've had quite a lot of stupid injuries. Um, Including uh, breaking my arm chasing after boys at ice skating. Oh, you! Because I had figure skating skates. Boys on. or ladies? <laughs> boys or ladies? <laughs> <laughs> it was boys. Um, 
ice hockey skates are f- like flat and figure skating skates have pokes at the front. Oh. So I just tried to run like they did and just fucking flat on my face with like, a, and snapped my arm. It's pretty awful. Oh. And then also, um, <laughs> yeah, just, I cut my hand open with an incredibly sharp knife that I own. <laughs> Like Were you badly. saying, I wonder how sharp this is? <laughs> no, I was just like, did a stupid thing. Anyway, oh. my worst one was uh, when I was about 17, I went out drinking in town um, on a Monday town. night <laughs> and having like shots and being like just really shit faced drunk. And then we thought at like four in the morning, we'd go and like call for one of our friends. So we went to the um, playground near his house and we're trying to ring him. But obviously he wasn't answering the phone because it's fucking four in the morning. And uh, my best mate was sat in the middle of the roundabout and I ran all the way around the roundabout to make it go really, really fast and then tried to get on it. Now, centrifugal force is a bitch and threw me to the ground um, straight onto my wrist. Uh. So I <laughs> broke uh, that bone in my hand, which is why I have that lump there now. I feel like you're not getting the hang of this audio medium. <laughs> Sorry, the, how would you describe that? It's like where your first finger and your thumb meet. Yeah. I've got like a quite a big lump there. Um, but the worst thing is, I was so drunk I didn't feel the pain. So then I went to bed at home <laughs> and like slept on my hand. No. And then woke up the next morning and was like, oh, this hangover is entirely located in my no. left hand. And then got out of bed and just fainted with the pain of it. Jesus. It was so bad. Oh. Anyway. That's a physio because of that. None of these are what Adam has. Sorry. He has mystery Chucky illness. <laughs> so then... Um, Belinda leaves this conversation and she goes to lift the cover on one of those covered boxes and then a huge pale man grabs her wrist. He's holding a meat cleaver! Um, it's okay though. It's Cobbs, the butler. Who is, of course, English. Yes. Because all butlers in all of the world are English. Can we also say, we were both brought up in England, Cobbs, the butler, offers her tea with cream. She says, I've never had cream with my tea. And he says, quote, it's the civilised thing to do, miss. No, it's fucking not. No, Show me an English person who puts cream in their tea. The queen? Cream. Bet she does. Cream. Bet she does. In her tea. Bet she It does. would all curdle on the top. What, what, what type of cream are you thinking? Well, what are they talking about? They don't <laughs> mean milk. <laughs> Why don't they say milk if they mean milk? Yeah, I don't know. And if they mean, like, creamer... That's not what English people have. No. Show me an English person who puts creamer in their tea. She's never met an English person. That's what I <laughs> or an away. injured person. Or an injured person. <laughs> she only knows safe, able-bodied Americans. Anyway, he's actually quite funny. I like Cobbs. So she says, oh yeah, so it turns out that what's in the box, in all what's the boxes... What's in the box? What's in the box? It's not a head. Oh, spoiler if you haven't seen... Don't say the film then. <laughs> So in the boxes, you can't spoil a film from 1997. <laughs> What's in the boxes is snakes. Oh, yeah. They must have fucking hundreds of snakes. So anyway, she says to Cobbs, Are you, aren't you scared that the snakes will get out? And he says, I live in terror. Which I hope he does like really deadpan. And then later, Mrs. Thorne wants her bag. And he says, how about a gag, madam? But she thinks he says bag. Do you know? I think he's quite funny. Do you know? Imagine all his text in the sort of, how about a gag, mum? Yeah. Sort of, oh, okay, good. That's exactly why I'm Okay, good. Like the type of English butler that exists only in Hollywood films. 
Um, like Alfred? Albert? Alfred, Alfred from, from Batman. Batman. I've finished you, Master Wayne. No, I've finished you. I failed you. <laughs> Excuse you. Master That's Wayne. That's your fanfic. You can keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, a friend of ours who um, runs the excellent bookshop Golden Hair, uh, she has a cat called Loki and her boyfriend Jim um, listen, <laughs> talks to the cat and she videos it and puts it on Instagram. But he puts on this like middle class sort of Harridan voice as if like the cat's sort of working class. <laughs> <laughs> He was just videoing that. Surely like cats are all middle class. <laughs> he was just sat, like, petting Loki one day, and um, Julie was secretly videoing him, and he's going, um, you're the new guy, or you're the new man, are you? Well, I mean, I suppose it's fine if you if you do the work correctly, like you should. If you don't do a good job, you won't get paid. <laughs> he just what? said, I've seen you out there, listening to talk sport. <laughs> what <laughs> really? is happening? <laughs> really? But I imagine that is the voice that Cobbs could be as well. Yeah, yeah, he's doing that for sure. He doesn't watch talk sport. Gag to talk sport. Gag, madame. Gag, madame. <laughs> so then also Belinda sees a photo of pre-accident Adam, who is, quote, beautiful and evil. <laughs> so he's beautiful now. He's just got some scratches on his I fucking know, face. Jesus. And also his stepbrother, Noel, with his sandy hair and hazel eyes. Oh, he's so tedious. Okay, so then Frank and Hildy come over to Belinda's house and are basically absolute dickholes to her, as they are through the whole book. Belinda is helping Hildy with his, her homework. Frank's really impatient because he wants Hildy to go for, quote, a little action, you know, up at suicide drop. Mmm, <laughs> hot. Don't go there. He's really creepy. Because he's Ian Brady. Yeah. By the way, if you are not British and don't know Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, they were they killed a load of children. It was yeah, a very, very horrible crime. It's pretty great. They're horrible serial killers. He's still alive. I'm thinking of Ian Huntley. Yeah, he's alive. One. Ian Brady's not alive. Um, Frank says uh, this at one point. And if Hildy's a real good girl, she'll get a nice surprise after that. <laughs> it's his dick. You're like 16. Drop that shit. <laughs> like, that's... I can yeah. trust that you are not good in bed. Yeah. I fucked a 16-year-old when I was 16, by the way, not recently. I was going to say. And it was Jesus. not good. Yeah, no one's having good sex at that age. And also, like, stop that. Like, stop that. You don't know it. It's, um, I saw some Twitter post about, like, that high school, like, couple who, like, would say they're into, like, BDSM. It, but what they mean is they just listen to Marilyn Manson while they fuck. Or they've got little fluffy handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're like proper goths. Yeah. Like, we'll like wear a vial of each other's blood. Like in Urban Legend, the goth yes. roommate. I love that film. We need to do that film on an episode. <laughs> we should. Um, so then a box gets delivered to Belinda's house and it's got a calendar page inside with April the 1st circled in blood. Later, Hildy says, Frank says he didn't do it, quote, but I think maybe he's joking. Ha ha ha. It's not a joke. I really love when you joke about that man we killed. <sighs> he's a fucking serial killer. I hate him. So then Belinda gets the bus to the Thorn House, and in her bag she finds her jacket from the accident, and also a little bit of cloth that she picked up at the time of the accident. It's a hanky embroidered A. I'm going to come back to this hanky at the end. Not like E-H question mark A. <laughs> like... <laughs> The letter. The letter A. Handy. Um, she doesn't sort of acknowledge it or throw it away. She just <laughs> carries on about her day. Oh, look, a 
blood-stained handkerchief with A on it. Hmm, okay. So then she has a pointless conversation with Adam. Almost all of these scenes are she's at her house and Hildy and Frank act like serial killers or she's at the Thorn house and has a pointless conversation with Adam. Yep. That's almost all the conversations. Or with Noel. Or with Noel. Not sure if Adam's in the house. Yeah. That's the entire book. It's yeah. just that over and over again. Yes. Then she meets Noel, who's visiting in his fancy car with his dog. Uh, don't worry, the dog doesn't die. I just want to say that up front. Um, so I think we think, we're supposed to think that he's nice because he's got a dog. Because that's a sneaky writer trick to make you like someone. Mm -hmm. Give them a dog. That's my trick. I don't actually have a dog. Lady, <laughs> Lady Reverend Rosemary Bennett Logan is fictitious. I just want you to like me. We just play dog noises sometimes <laughs> if I laptop. You just go, that, why is that a dog noise? That was very much a cat. That's why you do the dog noises and not me. <laughs> um, she asks Cobb. Oh, I, li I really like this. I'm going to do... I like that you're calling him Cobb, like a salad. Co it's Cobbs, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Cobb. What's your name? I've seen you listening to TalkSpot. Monsieur Salad. <laughs> Come here immediately. So, I like this. Um, so, Noel's going to drive Belinda home, but then his mum is like, oh, no, but I need to go to the airport. And they were like, Cobbs, have we got time? And he says, oodles. Which reminded me of something, and I realised what it is, is Anthony Hopkins in Red Dragon. Oh. That Will Graham says, he wants him to do something for him, and Will Graham says, I might not have time. And Hannibal Lecter says, I do. I have oodles. Oh, I was like, nice. What date is this? 2002? Did they steal from this? Because this was way before 2002. And then I was like, well, maybe because it's a remake. But when the book? It might have been in the book, but in the 1986 Manhunter, it's not in there. Oh. It's only in the 2002 one, so I'm like... I don't think they stole they it from... Did they steal it from RTC? I don't think so. Sir Anthony Hopkins I, is above it. I'm going to do a PhD on the cultural influence of point horror. <laughs> don't you just I see if I do. I won't stop you. Okay, um, maybe I won't. Can I also... Now we're on buses. <laughs> what a funny phrase. Um... At one point, Adam says, I don't trust buses. They're not safe. That's such fucking rich privilege. Like, buses are fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I get buses all the time. Having said that, just before I moved to Canada, um, a man did decapitate someone else on a Greyhound bus. Mm. And hold his head up while everyone else had to, like, watch because they'd got off the bus. And then he ate a bit of the man's, like... Oh, Jesus August. Christ. So maybe it's he's not right. Really maybe it's not his fault, though, is it? No, that's that more people. happened anywhere. Aren't safe. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the fault of the bus. I did an event in London ages ago, and it was quite early in the morning, and just where I was staying, it was easiest to get the bus rather than the tube. And I got the bus, and they were like, oh, how did you get here? And I said, I got the bus. And they were like, you got the bus? And I was like, yeah, it's 9 a.m. Is that risky? <laughs> it was fine. It was full of people going to work. Fucking hell. And it's cheaper. And it's cheaper. Okay, anyway, so Noel drives Belinda home, and in her mailbox, shout out to the cover, she finds a doll head covered in mashed entrails. What? <laughs> and then, like, she tells Hildy and Frank, and she's like, does it remind you of anything? And I was like, what is it supposed to remind them of? I don't think I could um, identify an entrail if it was mashed. <laughs> it's just... Could it be anything? Blood. Just some mush. Mushy. It could be anything. It could be beetroot. It could be beef. Weird, mashed, isn't it? Mashed. mashed entrails. Mashed. With a masher? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see the process. What's the difference between riced and mashed at this point? It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Hildy and Frank are unsympathetic. In fact, Frank says, if anyone finds out anything, 
He smiled sweetly, leaning down into Belinda's face. It'll be because of you. All right, Ian Brady. All right, Bianch. Yep. So then at the Thorn House, oh, back we go again. Uh, she has a nice tea and chat with Cobbs. Um, and she says, my best friend and I don't talk anymore. You literally spoke on the previous page. On the previous page, you had a conversation and arranged to meet up later. But anymore, you know. Anymore now. They don't speak in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, that's what she meant. Cool. <laughs> then she says, I'm going to take a shortcut home. And he says, a safe one, I assume. And she says, oh, sure. I don't think too many people know about it. That's not what he means by safe. That sounds less safe yeah. to me. I think he means, is it well lit? Are there people around? And she's like, no, it's very dark and nobody's around. It's very safe. Yeah. You fucking idiot. So then she takes the shortcut. <laughs> not surprisingly, things go wrong. There's a car there. <laughs> Belinda trips over her own feet and then just flails around on the ground until the car drives away. <laughs> Nice one, Belinda. <laughs> <laughs> then she runs back to the house. Cobbs isn't there, but Adam's there. <gasps> and he says, I recognise you from somewhere. Oh my God. Then back at Belinda's, Hildy comes round and Belinda says, well, they have a bit of an argument and Belinda says, oh, you've been so supportive until now, believing everything I say. In response, Hildy orders a pizza and they never mention it again. <laughs> Nice one, Hildy. Uh, I can't believe that you missed out this incredibly sexual bit where uh, when Adam is saying, isn't it strange? I keep feeling I've seen you somewhere before. Um, I can't stop doing that voice now. No, 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 I've no, seen no, you no. listening to Dogs before. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like got a snake around his neck. Phallic symbol. <laughs> um, around his neck, the snake roused, body pulling into itself, head slowly lifting. Its forked tongue darted inches from her face. Oh. That's so phallic. Hello. Uh, head slowly lifting is exactly how you could descri describe an erection. Oh, must we? Oh. Um, 10% more gay now. I'm going to be 300% gay. You were <laughs> the one who said erect. Strayed. So I did. <laughs> you can only blame yourself. That's true, I did say that. If anyway. anyone finds out about this, Kirsty, it's all your fault. Cool, thanks. I'm going to skim over a lot of stuff because basically, like, everyone's horrible to her. Frank threatens her. Hildy says she's imagining everything. Um, even Adam constantly threatens her. Everyone's just kind of weird and horrible to her. Except Cobbs and her mum and the dog. The dog's great. The dog's ace. Oh, I love the dog. Yeah, she's cool. Uh, but that's it really. Um, then she goes back to the Thorn house. Noel drives her home again. They run off the road. She confesses everything to him, including the manslaughter at the beginning. He is weirdly unaffected that she's a manslaughterer, which I feel like I would be bothered by <laughs> if, if Annie was like, hey, listen, so I ran a guy's car off the road and then just ran away. I would be like, I wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that I think fine. I'd be bothered. I, I think if be. you told me, I'd be bothered. Like, not just if it was my partner. Maybe yeah. It's a friend. Well, like, you're an Even asshole. if it was like a random in the street, I feel like you'd be a bit bothered. I feel like we should tell someone should or do like... something or face this in some way or yeah, face up to your responsibilities. Yeah. Mostly he's just annoyed though because she's really suspicious of Adam. Okay. Um, she hangs out with Cobbs again. He provides this sort of tedious, spooky backstory about Adam, which is 
mostly what he does, to be honest. Um, Belinda goes to get, I love this bit, Belinda goes to get her purse and she sees Adam in the study. Here, here we go, visualize this. He's looking at papers. He lets them flutter down one by one and then he thrusts them in a drawer. He locks the drawer and he hides the key in a secret book. And then he laughs, quote, deeply, horribly, and cruelly. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. See, this is what I mean. This is like a gothic pie to the face. A bit. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm not saying it's good. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> but it's a gothic piece of shit. So then it's revealed that Hildy says Frank did the calendar page and the call to the police. Remember them? <gasps> so then Belinda, but he, she says he didn't do the other things. Oh. But, but Belinda goes to the pool. We're coming to the sort of climax soon. Belinda goes to the pool to confront Frank and then she sees his corpse. <gasps> she dives in. It's his jacket. Oh. Um, by the you way, think you'd really be able to tell. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Also, it's never explained how or why this has happened. Who's put his jacket in the pool and why? Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. Hildy says that Belinda is just jealous that Frank picked her. Yeah, because he's a fucking catch. Yeah, right. He's a serial killer. He's exactly the sort of person who puts olives on his eyes. <laughs> like, completely. Or fried eggs. Oh, dickhead. They're just all the same character in my head. Yeah. Just white boy. Dickhead japester. I bet they're in a frat. <laughs> Blah. And then she says, I'd like to hurt you, Belinda. Really hurt you. I don't want to be your friend. And then Belinda says, rightly, since when were you ever my friend? Ooh, snap. Good point, because Hildy's a shit friend. Well, no, I think when she goes over and they get that pizza, that's quite nice. She's quite supportive in that moment. No. She believes her. Yeah, but she doesn't make any amends for the fact that she didn't believe her previously. Well, yeah. I but thought it was a nice moment. I'm it? just seeing her as Aunt Hilda and I can't be mad at that. <sighs> yeah. Um, have you got to the bit where she stays over at their house yet? Um, not yet. Okay. I'm nearly there though. Okay. Uh, basically there's more Whiffle Waffle with Noel. Apparently she loves him. Whiffle Waffle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, I guess I owe Hildy a lot. She picked you out for me. Okay, oh. one, gross. Oh. And two, no she didn't. Yeah. She met him at the house. Hildy wasn't there. What? But Hildy made him take her to the... Yeah, she already wanted him though. <laughs> Whatever. Apparently there's only two men in the world anyway, Frank and Noel. Meatloaf. <laughs> and other. Please. <laughs> Come on. We've never this. I think... I'm a, it, does the bit where they're at the house come before or after the braid in the box? Oh, I can't remember. Okay, well, I'll do the next bit. So then she gets another package. And remember, Hildy's got the long silver braids. It's one of Hildy's braids. <gasps> They've got her. So then they sort of run around pointlessly. And then they're back at the Thorn house. And the dog, good dog, leads her to the study. <gasps> Is this where we're at, the bit that you want to do? Um. Well, you do that bit. Okay. So then in the study, <laughs> this is meant to be like a big plot reveal. She finds a will that leaves all of Mr. Thorne's money to his to the sons. And she's like, oh my God, this is why they're trying to kill him. And I'm like, is that a surprise? That's quite normal, isn't it? 
I would assume that if my parents Where die, else is it going to go? I get all of their money. To a fucking donkey sanctuary. Where's it going to go? Maybe to Noel's dog. <laughs> <laughs> she is a good dog. Is that what? I'm thinking of my dad wrote a porno where they've got the donkey sanctuary. Is it? That's yeah. weird because she's called Belinda as well. Yeah, I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. It was the first thing I thought when I picked this book up. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. They, they treat it as if it's this big plot reveal, but I was like, yeah, you would assume that that's wife. where his... No, it's if they both die. Oh, whoa, yeah. Which you're like, okay, I don't even know if you need a will to have that. Yeah, the bank doesn't just keep it. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how it, works. it goes to your descendants anyway, whatever. Um, do you want to do that a bit? Because I feel like the, well, there's maybe a bit. we've skipped over that bit. Because they go back and forth at that house so they much, are. it could be any point. But there's a bit where she stays over and Noel goes and gets her, like, his mum's, like, lacy nightgown. <laughs> Uh, and then puts it on, and he says, it'll look better on you. Ew. <laughs> like, fuck off, Freud. Uh, wow. Your like, tits are way nicer than my mum's tits. Yeah. Mm, that's not gross. You know what? I fancy you, so why don't I dress you up in my mother's clothes? My mother's lacy, right, Norman Bates. clothes. Like, oh, uh, <coughs> oh. <laughs> and then I'll puke on you. I'll be like, I'll get you an old t-shirt. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, like you can have one of my t-shirts. Like if he's a guy, just give her one of your t-shirts. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll cover everything. Yeah, and some druggies maybe as well. And or some, shorts or something. Oh, so it's a druggies. Some druggies. Here are some just to li- lie on her to cover, to cover her up. That's just. not okay, Kirsty. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> I've also written first breasts, um, which is I think our point horror first actual mention of breasts because he looks at her breasts and I was like, oh, I didn't even notice sexy. That. Oh, God. There's lots of implied breasts. The breaststroke champion in the previous of course, one. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, they're at the mansion. Adam's there, and so is Noel. It's both of them. <gasps> oh my God! Not in a sexy way. Because his name is Noel Ashby. Remember the hanky with an A on it. Oh yeah. A for Ashby. Oh my God. Okay, that's so boring. But that's what the deal is. Um, they drive Belinda to a cliff. Hildy and unconscious Frank are there. Best way for Frank to be, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> At the last minute, Noel changes his mind and decides not to kill her. But it's too late! The car is slipping! But Cobbs saves them all. Oh, yay! Yay! Um, and also, uh, Adam has a gun. Yeah. First gun. I've written first gun, first breasts. Is it the first gun? I think, maybe, is it? No. Yes. Maybe? I can't remember. That's true, there's not a lot of guns in these books. No, there's a lot of pushing people off a cliff into a piranha pool, but there's not a lot of <laughs> So essentially arms. what they're trying to do here is push them off a cliff. Yeah, I did know that as well. What? So I don't really know why they also have a gun, I guess just in case. Um, also, I can't believe you skipped over this. They are six inches from the edge, and Adam says this. That's this is in my queer subtext. Six inches. Six inches from the edge. How many seconds in six slippery inches? What? You trod on my lewd subtext section. Oh, sorry. How dare you? No six inches for you. There's enough to go around. Two fists worth, apparently. <laughs> um, wow. It's, it's, wow. Six slippery inches. And it's like six dot 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 slippery dot 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 inches. Keep it in your pants, RTC. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Mm. Also, I like that six inches from the edge sounds like he's going to put it in and then immediately come. Like, you only get those six inches then he just comes. Which is, to be honest, how my first social interaction went. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> it was, and then he had a little bit of a cry. 
Oh god. <laughs> it was awful. Oh mate, I'm so sorry. Hey, I know. It's okay. I've more than made up for it. Okay. Well, that's rotten. <laughs> and then, oh wait, okay, maybe that'll come in the queer subtext. Okay, bit. yeah, because we're, we're not even at the end of the book yet, because we've got a sort of epilogue. Hildy says she doesn't want Frank anymore. Not because he's a sociopath, she just doesn't. Um, she doesn't want any guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Hildy's the worst. I'm not having any queer subtext to do with her. Okay, 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 she okay. says sorry and she'll be a good friend again, which I'm sorry, again? You were never a good friend. You've not been a good friend in this entire book for even one moment, apart from I guess you bought her pizza. Maybe prior to the book. Maybe what? Maybe, prior. but you can't do that. It's not the way books work. Um, Cobbs is now rich because he's inherited money from the will, weirdly, even though it didn't say that, but okay. Um, but then he decides to come and be their butler. But also, can I just say, Belinda and Cobbs is the true romance of this book. Yeah. That is the true love story of this book because this is what he's saying is like, if he's there, quote, perhaps she, meaning Belinda, perhaps she would find herself in far less trouble and make a wiser choice about her men, meaning me. And then he also, at the end she says, I really love you, Cobbs. And he says, and I, you, miss. <gasps> That is the only nice relationship in this entire book is Belinda and Cobbs. The I only... failed you, Miss Belinda. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only two characters who appear to actually like each other. Can we just talk about this weird caste system bollocks, though, where, like, he can't stand not to be someone's <laughs> fucking butler despite yeah, being rich beyond... He's like... That's bullshit. He's like Cogsworth. Oh, he's like, fuck. when you listen to the um, Be Our Guest song, you realise it's some real, like, um, capitalist propaganda about how people on the bottom rung of society simply must serve, <laughs> otherwise they have nothing to do. It's really ruined that song for me, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. Um, but but yeah. isn't it set just before the French Revolution? So aren't Is the it? Beast and Belle going to die soon anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> when they are overthrown by the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> the, by the by, Mrs. Um, maybe Pop. you should have been all right with your provincial life, Belle. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, but yeah, this whole like, well, I, I'm just, I'm just so desperate to be someone's fucking butler. Fuck off. Maybe he, maybe he does want to be her fucking butler. Oh, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Also, I like that the British guy isn't evil for once. Right. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it's the, it's the true love story of this book. Yes, is the two of them. Oh, and also she gets the dog at the end. Michael Caine and that teenage girl. Oh, definitely. Oh, she does get the dog, yeah. That's cute, though. They can all live together and it'll be so sweet. It's fine. I love it. Can I tell you my main issue with this book? Go on. What teenager uses a handkerchief? <laughs> a lacy, monogrammed handkerchief. Maybe it's a thing poshos do. Okay, any poshos Posh. listening? Poshos, when you were a teenager, <clears throat> did you have two tennis rackets? Did you have a monogrammed handkerchief? Also, um, apologies for how we've treated you in the past for shows. No, I'm not sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Okay. Because you have treated, well, we're not poor, so that's okay. You've just been fine to us, I suppose. <laughs> so, 90s things? There's a car phone on which Cobbs phones the police. Nice. We had a car phone last time as well. There's lots of car phones around. Um, American things, they go to a senior picnic. By the way, that's old scene, people. I didn't even. <laughs> I wish that sounds way more fun. 
Because they're seniors in school. Oh, I see. And they all go to a picnic. Well, I didn't even mention that scene in my rundown because it was so pointless. So many of the scenes in this were so pointless, this book could have been 50 pages shorter. Yep, true. Um, quiz subtext. No fashion? I didn't see any fashion. No, but me neither. There is this one bit that I liked. It's not really queer subtext. It's more like showing how comfortable Cobbs is with his masculinity. Um, so Noel says that he wants coffee instead of tea. And Cobbs says, perhaps you could sample my special macho blend. <laughs> Which I was like, Cobbs, you are comfortable in your masculinity. And I like that about you. As long as you stay down there in your uh, lower cast, you're allowed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just feel like that's his foot in the door. And once he's in the door... They'll, romance will blossom. It just reminded me of when um, my uncle did our family tree and like every generation back on my mum's side from my mum is like a servant. Yeah. <laughs> but like for 400 years. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's me. I'm Cobbs. You're Cobbs. <laughs> Does that mean I have to be Belinda? No. I'll be the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have too stupid to live heroin? Um... She's pretty stupid. Come on, when the car's coming and she just trips over and then just like flails on the ground i'll just yeah. stop going there just stop yeah. going to the house yeah if you think that he's the guy that you killed then you just go away from there also if a woman in a beekeeper outfit asked me to cheer <laughs> her son i'd be immediately like no thanks like in that other one where she goes to get her from the hospital and she's got the full like no, veil on no i remember you no don't go with these women point we should do a like a list of point horror lessons and yeah. number one don't trust a woman in a veil unless it's her wedding day. <laughs> Don't trust Chucky. <laughs> Leave the house if Chucky has a snake. All of these. Do we have a sexy sociopath? Mm. Kind of three of them. Frank, Adam and Noel. I don't think they're sexy, but they're sociopaths. And his mum. And his mum. Who's <sighs> four yeah, sexy sociopaths. Bitch. She's yeah. a real gold digging mum. And fucking, what's her name? Mindy, Lindy, Bindy. What's her <laughs> Hildy. name? Hildy. <laughs> Mark, Mindy, whichever one is. I'm just going to keep making sounds until I land on the right one. Um, death toll. I'm going to say three. So both the parents. Mm -hmm. And does Adam die? It's unclear. Yeah. Possibly. Who cares anyway? Yeah, I don't care. Is it good though? I, I find it quite boring. I, so... Like, I have to say, all Richie Tanker's Acoustic books are like this. It starts kind of quite good and bonkers and over the top, but then it gets really boring and, like, convoluted, and, and there's too much back, back and, and forth. forth. It's the same, it was the same, it reminds me a lot of Teacher's Pet, this book. It reminds me a lot of Trick or Treat. Yeah. Which is the sort same. of, has this sort of gothic, weird setup, mm. which is quite interesting. But then it just sort of is the same handful of scenes, like, over and over. Yeah. Not going anywhere. Yeah. <sighs> So, three. Oh, I'd give it a two, to be honest. I was really bored. Two and a half, then. Like, nothing bad happens, either. Really? And also, I just don't get the threats. Like, what's with the doll? What's that got to do with anything? Yeah, I don't understand. Or, like... like, nothing got set on fire. Like, why wouldn't you set the mailbox on fire? Because, like, they were in the burning car. Nothing got set on fire. Just cause nothing I like happened. Nothing fire. got set on fire. Didn't even like... set anything on fire. What kind of day is that? Come on. I've only set three things on fire today, and I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it good, bad, though? No. Not even really. Oh, come on. It's so good, bad. No, I... No. I think it's very good, bad. I'd give it a two for good and a three for good, bad. I would give it a four, so it gets a three and a half. So it gets two and a half for good and three and a half for good, bad. You're looking at me. That's how compromise works. Do I need to explain to you for the third episode... <laughs> 
what compromise means. I mean, I'm not happy with it. Compromise does not mean we do what Heather says. That is the definition no. that I'm trying to push. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not what it is. Um, okay. Okay. Just as long as I don't have to read it again. No, never again. I want, could, a, I want a good book or a glorious fire. failure. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm, okay. That's what I want in life as well. What are we doing next week <gasps> for our final book of the season? We're doing... Oh, we're back with yeah. Robot Stein and we're doing The Babysitter 3. Who's the Han now? <laughs> oh, please let that be the tagline. Who's Han now? <laughs> Guess who's back? Han is back. <laughs> uh, someone told me this is where it starts to get really weird. Okay. The third one, but I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. The fucking push of a cliff definitely wasn't weird enough for the first time. Yeah, anyway. that's true. Oh yeah, the, the flying, the, the run up to push her off the cliff. <laughs> don't make me laugh. So I'd just like to take this opportunity, which I've just created out of nowhere, to say a big shout out to uh, Teenage Cream superfan, Kilian. <gasps> Hello. Hi. <laughs> David said that you would like a shout out, although he calls you Kellyanne, which I'm led to believe is not your name. And your name is Kilian. So if it's not Kilian and it is Kellyanne, then yeah, let's go with that. Is but that, you can just that tell me. Done? That's a bit okay. done. Hi, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, Kirsty Wecken, uh all super fans goes. Oh, or even medium fans, really. Yeah, anyone. Or even new we'll fans. We'll take any. And anything that we can get. Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore, on Instagram at Teenage Scream pod. And if they want to join us, then they can um, put a bit into Patreon and support the podcast, become a friend of the podcast. And uh, we are currently going to be buying some new books for next mm. series, aren't we? So all of that goes back We're into... We're going to do... Yeah, series sorry. four. We're going to do all requests next season, aren't we? <gasps> yes. A full season of requests. I can't wait. So if you want to get in on that, you can join us on Patreon. If you join at the meatloaf level of $5 a month, you get a bonus episode every single month that does not appear on the regular feed. Um, and you also get a Teenage Scream pin badge. A really cool badge. It looks great. It I love it. Thanks, Jean, for our amazing logo. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.